Stop halfway through the sermon and not get you to stand up so your so your hips won't lock up on you because I can't preach short. I've just never been able to do that. I know I'm short, but my sermons are not. <laughs> Amen. So I always get you up so it might be the last chance sometime between now and tomorrow night. Now, thank you, Lord, <clears throat> for your presence. Hallelujah. Don't take it for granted. Don't want to come in here with an attitude of familiarity that we've seen it all and we have know it all and we've experienced it all. But we come with an open heart that the Spirit of God will show us and teach us and train us. Hallelujah. Father, I have my plan, but you have yours. And I pray that they coincide and they're working together. But if not, then help me to get into that path and into that flow that you'd have me to be in. Thank you that you've given us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. We'll not take it idle, but we'll take it to our heart, meditate upon the truth, and be set free by the power of the blood. Thank you, Jesus, that every demon power that would hinder this service from this point on is bound in Jesus' name that the angels of God camped around about us and that the Spirit of God is free to flow and operate in as He will. Thank you for liberty of mind and liberty of thought. Help us to express the thoughts of God fully and completely. And thank you for understanding that's been released upon us in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. You may be seated, please. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, hallelujah. I don't know what I'm going to do tonight. I've got about four or five sets of notes up here. One of them bound to work. One fella, I heard one story. He said uh, they just men and there's two men preached together, and they just kind of get up sometime and start. Well, especially one of them, he didn't know exactly what to do, so he just start reading the Bible. He found something that kind of, uh, you know, he hit on, and then he could go from there. And he said he read the whole book of Daniel and never did get a sermon, so he just closed it and went home. Hallelujah, amen. <laughs> so if worse comes to worse, maybe we can just do that. I. Uh, I don't know exactly where I want to go. I've got, like I say, several sets. Sometimes I put two or three things together. It don't even make sense when I make a set of sermons. And it'll be down a certain line, a thought. And then sometimes I'm getting ready to preach. And I'll feel the Lord to take a certain part out of here and a part over there and put it together. Well, I've got some questions tonight. Are you ready for me to ask them? Now, I don't want nobody giving me no answers. You just answer them to yourself, all right? Hallelujah. Amen. Are you awake here tonight? All right, good. I just want to make sure. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, are we in revival? I'm talking about as a, as a church. Are we in revival? A lot of people tell you that. A lot of folks said we're, we've been hearing it prophesied that revival's coming for a long time, and we've seen bits and pieces of it here and there, but are we? The, the question is, are we in revival? It's a good question to ask ourselves. Some folks, I don't even think know what that is. You know, I preached in South America, and I, I thought that this, you know, they would understand what revival is. Now, Argentina has been in revival for many, many, many years. God's been doing wonderful things there. And I've read about it and heard about it and hope sometime God will let me go there. God, I'm always down in that area, so I suppose it would be easy to do it if the Lord just work it out in his time. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, but in, I was preaching one place south in Colombia, actually, and they said, brother, they don't know what you're talking about, revival. Last year, we, was not this past year, but uh, two, uh, not 2000, year 2000, we went there and stayed 
probably what about two weeks longer than what we ordinarily we was having a real move of God I mean we really had a move of God that broke out amongst the people there's a real spirit of revival they don't even know what it is I'm afraid to tell them hallelujah amen you know when I because they'd be better off they don't know anything just go and follow the Lord because we've got it all set up how it's supposed to be we don't have a clue you know, some of us have been around a while, and we've seen some touches, and we and even here, you I'm sure you have, and I know we spent some time here for a while, and I believe it was a revival spirit. God was working and moving, and great, thank God for it. And I, uh, you know, I, and I've said this, I, I had the privilege of preaching a revival for seven months, and I, I tell you what, if it wasn't for anybody else, it was for me, because I learned some things, and not, I'm not saying that I learned it all. Hallelujah. But I learned some things, and I'm still learning. I want to learn. I, I want to know. If I, if I have a label that I want to put on myself, I'd like to be called a revivalist, but I don't want to be called one and not have it. Amen. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? I want to be called one and have it, praise God. So, but the question we need to kind of ask ourselves, I'm going to talk to you about, I may talk to you about these levels of in God that we can go to tonight. It's a fallacy for us to think when we have experienced some things from God, maybe even times when it's just more, more powerful than others that we've arrived. That's a, that's a, that's a falsehood. It's, you know, actually, I really need to read you a text. I think I'll do that. Isaiah 40, please. Because there's something there that, I, that will relate to what I just said. I was thinking about this scripture all day, and I was planning on going a certain way, and I still am, but God wanted to modify it. The scripture's found, uh, I think, three more times in the, in the Gospels, and Jesus referred to it, referring to John the Baptist. He said in Isaiah 40, verse 3, the voice of him that cried in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain, shall, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked or the fraudulent deceitful or polluted places shall be made straight. Hallelujah. That's the prophetic voice. Sometimes we think the only time, the only concept we have sometimes about prophets are that there are people who just comes and calls people out of the congregation, prophesies over them. But that's not always right. And that's really not what the, what the Bible has in mind. When you talk about prophets, he has something in mind. He's not just talking about prophets and, you know, there's two kinds actually. Well, actually, I say two kinds, three, maybe the two of them go together. There's the p prophets who have been through the testing of God, and there's the academic ones. They know how all of the academia of being prophets, but they have no clue about what a, what a prophetic ministry, a prophetic calling, a prophetic. And I'm just not talking about an office of a ministry only, but churches sometimes are raised up as a prophetic church. And what I mean by that is they are a voice in the area that God has given them. They're saying things that are bringing revelation to people around. See, one of the things, you all had this said to me many times, but one of the things that the prophetic ministry will do is bring clarification and understanding. And I've had people say to me repeatedly over and over, man, I never saw that before. You just made that so clear. Well, it wasn't because I was a good preacher, just because of the anointing. If something goes on there. See, God wants us to understand. God never wants his people to be in the dark. He's given unto us to know the mysteries of the kingdom, the scripture says. So he doesn't want us in the dark about anything. You know, there's no limit to any kind, any level of knowledge on any, uh, or any knowledge on any level 
that we could think of that God would limit. He, he'll train you in all areas of life. Hallelujah. You may not be called to the ministry and called to do anything particularly like that, but whatever you're called to do and even whatever you do as a profession, God can release and give you knowledge how to do that very successfully and to be powerful in it. Hallelujah. Amen. I wish somebody would shout better. Praise God. You said you was awake and you was here, so let's act like it once in a while, okay? You won't bother me if you shout amen. It won't bother me if you don't either. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm just having a little fun with you now. But every crooked or pollution, you know, well, let's think about that voice. What, what about pollution? Are we in revival? Some of these questions I'm going to ask you down through this list here, if that may be all we get done tonight. But are we in revival? Well, that's an issue, isn't it? And he said, so there's a voice. When John the Baptist came, he was a voice. He didn't break no, he didn't, he didn't stand up and say how great he was. He didn't even try to identify himself as being some great somebody. God, I get sick of it sometimes when I hear it and see it. If it's not said, it's implied or it's insinuated or it's something there that kind of bothers me. And, you know, and I know sometimes people get, I know because I've been so bold and I'm so bold sometimes about things, folks kind of think you're arrogant. And maybe there's been some times when I have been, and I sure try not to, put it that way. Uh, you know, that's not my intent. But, but, uh, but I'm saying I hate an arrogant spirit that this, you know, these, you've got people just say, well, I'm the great one. Well, you know, sometimes if somebody like right here, like you're saying right here, I've just walked up to them after a service. And I don't always fellowship with people after a service. But sometimes I'll just walk up to them and they'll say something to me and something will click when they say it. And it's a word of the Lord for me. It wasn't prophesied. Nobody said it, said thus says the Lord in it, but it ministered something to me. It brought revelation to me in, a, in an area I hadn't saw before. You need to have your ears on, praise God. Hallelujah. Because God's talking to you in many ways, in many different ways sometimes. Hallelujah. And so fraudulent and deceitful place. Well, you've got academic prophets who, you, you, I said this Sunday, you can go and, and, and be trained to be prophetic in a, in, a, in a conventional sense or academic sense, but it doesn't make you prophetic. There's a book that I, I don't know if you have a good bookstore around you, you can get it. It would be worth having just for the, fake, uh, for the sake of understanding. It's called The, Prof, it's the Making of a Prophet by T. Austin Sparks. And I'm going to tell you right now, some prophets need to read it, praise God. Hallelujah. I read it, and I thought, where was you 25 years ago when I started this journey? Well, he was around. It was written in the 70s. Yeah, I think he lived up until the 70s. I don't know when he wrote it, but it's one of the most tremendous books I believe I've ever read about the prophetic ministry. It brought a lot of revelation. Some folks will never qualify if they have to go through what that book talks about you have to go through, but you, do, you have to go through it. Hallelujah. Every prophet of God that God's ever had is of no value to him unless he first goes through the wilderness. Somebody shout hallelujah. And if you're a prophetic church, you're going to go through the wilderness. Thank you for your wonderful enthusiasm. Hallelujah. You just can't hardly wait to do it, can you? Now, everybody's praying for the wilderness experience except me. Hallelujah. I'm not praying for it. I'm not asking for it. I'm not looking for it. I'm not believing for it. I don't want it. If it comes, I'll take it, but I will not take it happily. Now, <laughs> make the crooked places straight and the rough places plain. And the, Now, when that happens then, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. When that happens, the glory of God will come. It cannot happen. Now, let's go through some of these questions. I asked a question. Are we in revival? Or are we experiencing the outpouring of God's Spirit and the harvest of souls that the prophet Joel foretold? He talked about it, you know. We're not going to scriptures on some of these, but because you're, you're knowledgeable, you know. You can read for yourself. Are we, are, are we experiencing the outpouring of God's Spirit and the harvest of souls that Joel foretold? How do we compare to the church in the book of Acts? That's a good one. How do we compare? Well, 
You know, a lot of us would like to see an Ananias and Sapphira situation in some cases. Let me tell you why that happened. That happened because God localized his presence from the throne to the earth. But it really happened because in Acts chapter 4, they were praying. Listen to me. See, if you want revival, and that is a part of it, not killing people all the time, but that can happen in manifested presence. But they were praying in Acts chapter 4 for an outpouring of the Spirit of God, God to do signs and wonders in the name of his holy child Jesus and to do signs and wonders through the hands of the apostles. And, the first, and, and we have chapter 5 in that, in that Bible because the writers uh, uh, of the Bible put it there, but it, it, it don't belong there. Uh, it, you should go right on in and say, and then Ananias and Sapphira, who lied to the Holy Ghost, dropped dead. Well, the reason why that happened and the reason why they couldn't get by with some things is because when God's presence comes from the throne as we know it and begins to localize himself amongst a group of people, we're talking about revival now. That's kind of the undercurrent, undercurrent thought here. But when that begins to happen, there's things that cannot take place in that and people get by with it. Hallelujah. And so, we're, so that, that was a, and the question is, are we experiencing what they were experiencing in the book of Acts? God, no. If we, listen, we would have a major reduction in numbers <laughs> if that glory came like that. But you know, when you, you, you think about praying, just the re revival praying, you know, there was a revival, and I may get to it if I get to it tonight, talking about it in Exodus. Uh, in Exodus 33, which I'm sure I, if I was here four weeks, I shared that scripture sometime or another, at least four or five, six times. It's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. I always share it. I'll share it again because I know you didn't hear it the first 50 times you heard it. Amen. Now, hallelujah. Amen. But, but when you see that God brought his presence, he had lifted off of the, the glory, had lifted off of the people of Israel and was standing off from God. And Moses prayed. And when he prayed, the glory of God came back down upon the tabernacle in the tent of meeting that he took outside of the camp for God to meet in. But what I want to emphasize is this. Now, you've got to read this, and you need to read about chapter 32, about verse 11, 10, 11, and 12, or 13, right in that area, where he said, Moses is on the mountain. God said, get down off this mountain. said, the people's sinning, and I'm about ready to wipe them out. I'm going to do a job on them. I'm going to destroy them. And God, I'm, <laughs> Moses, now this is revival praying because we're about ready to have one. He gets in the face of God, and he says, you need to repent. He said it. I think I'll just take you there in your Bible and let you see it for yourself, praise God, because you look at me, you give me that old look of unbelief. I don't know if I got it marked in this Bible, so I may have to read all 32 to find it. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Maybe I'm a little farther down. Hallelujah. Yeah, verse 7, it said, The Lord said unto Moses, Go, go get thee down for the, thy people, uh, which thou brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted. See, God, the Lord said to Moses, They're your people. They were really his. He was really ticked off. Amen. Get thee down for thy people, which thou hast brought out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I have commanded them. They have made them molten calf and have worshipped and have sacrificed there and doing and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now therefore let me alone, that my wrath may wax hot against them, that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. Now you're talking about a temptation. If, if Moses would have given over to this temptation right here, it would not be called the land of Israel. It would be called the land of Moses. That's right, or whatever way God would have did that. 
And Moses besought the Lord thy his God and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume? You get this picture. Here's Moses standing before God Almighty saying something like this. Our virgin, this King James probably doesn't make it as plain as others. But turn from thy fierce wrath and repent. <laughs> he said it right there. It's in your Bible. He said, repent. Well, what kind of praying is that? Well, that's the kind that brings a move of God. It wasn't they didn't deserve it. It wasn't any of us don't deserve it. When, if God judged us on, a, on the basis of anything that any, we've ever done, he's justified in doing it. Thank God for mercy that endures forever. Hallelujah. Well, give me that Kansas look. Shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. And, 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 but I'm just saying, Moses, the man of God who stood in the gap, was fearless in his way of praying. That's why Charles Finney, when you study some of his writings, you'd find him praying similar. One time he was in a place and he was praying, and he said, I got so far over in the spirit. He said to the Lord, he said, I, I found myself saying, it scared him when he said it. He said, I found myself saying, thou dost not think I can be denied, dost thou? He prayed old time, old, old, old English. But, but <laughs> he, I mean, he was not going to be denied. Hallelujah. Well, sometimes we want revival. We want a book of Acts experience, but we don't want it exactly the way they had it. We want it modified a little bit. But we want to localize. Not, it's not, it's nobody here would pray, and he's right mind would pray that God's presence can come and kill anybody. Nobody would pray that, not, not if they're right. If, they're, if you're praying that kind of stuff, you're just messed up. But the, you know what I'm saying? What guy said, just get in line, and we'll pray for you right now and cast that out of you. We'll just have a little interlude here and just deal with you right now so we can go on and have a peaceful service. I, I, mean, I have seen people pray it. I've heard of them pray it. I've had them pray it for me. And you've got to stay on top of it when they pray that stuff because it releases the devils. It's a spiritual witchcraft, you want to call it that. But anyway, uh, they, so they were praying. They were praying because in the book of Acts, they were praying in chapter 4 because they'd been beaten. God, we never experienced none of that. I mean, you get a little tongue, you know, they work over you, work you over sometimes with gossip and all that stuff, but, but never like they were getting and the experience they were experiencing, and they were praying out of that kind of a situation. See, you know, when you're in that, when, 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 our, when you are so desperate for, for an inter, intervention of God Almighty, which is, has to be the heart of what revival is all about. See, people will never pray for it when they don't have any need to pray for it when they don't see the need to pray for it, when their vision's so marred by worldliness that they can look around and they cannot see the debauchery and the pollution that we live in and prophets who won't say what's going on, as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, their elevator don't run to the top story. Hallelujah. Because we need to bring holiness and righteousness uh, or if we need to preach in such a way, if our voice is going to be one that declares what God is saying, then he's going to say to us, make the crooked places straight, which means whatever you do, any given place you'll go. See, you may be perfectly right. You may not need any of this message, even though I doubt it, but you probably, but you may be. Just say, for example, you are, but the body of Christ overall is not. There is much, much, much pollution, and what makes it even worse is false prophets who are for their own self-aggrandizement or money or greed or whatever reasons they're doing it, they're polluting the body of Christ with words and messages that does not have a cutting edge, that does not let people know that there's a standard. What, you know, I don't know if you've ever read this book. It's a good book. 
and I, I'm not sure if it's in the book. Uh, I've read parts of it, not all of it, and then heard some on tape of Ray Comfort, Hell's Best Kept Secret. And he had a point that was very interesting. And Finney, Charles Finney, was one of the greatest revivalists, kind of used, kind of worked this way. He said, he said, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it because I, I can't say it's probably as good as he said it. I'm talking about Ray Comfort. He said, uh, it's a law that converts the soul. See, we try so hard to make it so easy to get into the kingdom of God, and as it should be, and it is, providing we understand that there's a standard that God operates by. Now, I don't think I'm getting, don't start screaming legalism here because that's not where we're at. But I am saying that we don't have a clear-cut message sometimes that tells us what God does or does not expect out of us. It's not, the law converts the soul. We have converts. They had 350 million people worldwide born into the charismatic movement or during that time that were born into the kingdom of God. And and, and statistics says it it has produced more backsliders than any move that ever was been brought in this earth because we did not teach people to kiss the cross until they come up with a mouthful of splinters. See, there's no dying See, we, we've gone to the extreme. Uh, you know, back years ago, you just all the time dying. Well, you can't die all the time, God Almighty. You get that kind of framework in your mind, then you never have no life in you. But at the same time, we swing back so far the other way, and we don't deal with certain things, and therefore people just live in your way in every way they want to, and they want God to come. They say they want revival, but when, when see, uh, you can, you can, people can say a lot of things, but when you begin to experience the move of the Holy Ghost, the way God wants to bring one, then, and that, that light is turned on inside of us and we begin to during revival you see things you've never seen before you see things about yourself you've never seen before revelation begins to come to you about all kinds of different things because holiness and the spirit of holiness is working and when you see a lot of people see this man i don't want this i don't need this this is this is this is dividing the body of christ no it's not dividing the christ it's separating the flesh from the spirit that's what it's doing hallelujah amen Praise God. And sometimes we need that because that's, a, that's an ongoing problem anyhow. Has been from the beginning of time as we know it in the Bible. That was one of the first things that happened between Cain and Abel, flesh and spirit. Ultimately speaking, flesh and spirit. God said, do it this way. Cain said, I want to do it this way. I'll do it my way. You got to accept it. You don't accept it. I'm going to kill somebody to show you how mad I am about it. And so that's what it did. It was flesh reacting to spiritual things. Hallelujah. Oh, <laughs> always happens in church. It's a, you know, right here tonight, I love you. Don't have anything against you. Don't know you well enough to say this about you as a factual thing, but I guarantee you with a little bit of investigation, we can find some flesh and spirit. We all got it. And you can find some people right in this church that says, Pastor, Pastor Bloom, I want you to quit doing what you're doing. You're moving in God, and I don't like it. Hallelujah. Yeah, I just don't want you doing that because we, after all, you know, we got to do whatever, whatever scenario they come up with. Well, you know, it's a bunch of baloney and Tommy rot. Amen, that's what it is. And so if we're in the book of Acts, if we're in the book of Acts and having a church like a book of Acts, then we're going to have somebody that's moving. We as a people are not going to have, we as a people are going to be moving in the move of the Spirit of God. One of the recurring things that were said or implied in the book of Acts is we did that which was good to us and the Holy Ghost. Or the Spirit of God said. And it was a continuous thing, a moving of the Spirit of God. And, and so part of that then is that 
they were praying for an outpouring of the Spirit of God. They didn't know what they were praying for. A lot of times we pray for revival. It, comes, we didn't, it didn't come the way we expected it. It come different than what we expected. And when it happens, we thought, well, this is not what I'm praying for. My God, look at here. People are leaving the church, and people are doing this, and people are doing all kinds of things. Well, you know, the mercy of God is in that sometimes because if they stay around where the manifested presence of God is, they could drop dead. Hallelujah. What a happy thought. <laughs> well, it is for pastors sometimes. You'd like to just pray, God, I'm going to bring a casket in here and preach a sermon and say some of you need to come and jump in because that's what's going to happen to you if you don't straighten out. But no, 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 I'm having a little fun with you now. I don't know if I'm having any fun, but you, you're probably not. Now, are we, are, do, how do we compare? The question is, number three, how do we compare to the church in the book of Acts? I mean, you know, when we study the book of Acts, it's just incredible. It's an apostolic church. I mean, that, that church was moving and flowing in God, friend. There were things taking place in that place. I mean, how would you like to come in here in just one simple Sunday morning? A pastor just gets up and he gets up and he, uh, you know, the Spirit of God moves. That's you know, Really, what happened in the book of Acts is the Spirit of God moved and the apostles just got up and told what it was. They didn't do something to make it happen. It just happened they told what it was. Said we're praying and we're singing, so they just, you know, God started moving. And so the pastor gets up and the Spirit of God begins to move. And somebody said, What in the world is happening in you today? And he says, uh, I'll tell you what, this is that which is prophesied by the prophet Joel. And he goes right on down to the thing and he gets down to Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, verse, and he says, Repent. So that when the times of refreshing come from the Lord, repent. The way into that times of refreshing is through the avenue of repentance. And, you, and then, on top of that, the whole entire city of Oakley has come out here to see. Sometimes I wonder if we are not just at the building itself on fire just so we could get a crowd and preach to them and start all over. But say the fire of God's dancing on the building or something phenomenal has happened, some loud sound. Uh, actually, they, they say, and I've heard this said, that, that when the Spirit of God came like a mighty wind, it was the sound of a sonic boom. That, that, that is, if there were any kind of window panes or glass or anything that rattled in the city of Jerusalem, it rattled, bless God. Hallelujah. And so they came to see, you know, that's it. You know, you get, you get a siren going and a fire somewhere and smoke bellowing. And, and a lot of people just get out of their house. If they see it and get in the car and go follow and see where that's at. They'll, they'll come. They'll go watch your house burn down. You know, they don't care whether it's burned down or not. As long as it's not their house, they'll just watch it burn down. <laughs> what, a, what a nice bunch. But anyway, <laughs> hallelujah. And so, you know, they heard all that and they come to see what it was. And they were saying, well, they, they had a, what is this? We never seen anything like this. And man, he, you know, any preacher that's a preacher at all got in to call him. He ain't going to miss that opportunity. Hallelujah. You let somebody, you let a crowd about several thousand gather around me and say, tell me something about Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you, before they got time to get out the back door, I'm going to get in four or five good paragraphs. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Even if they're one-liners, I'm going to get them. Praise God. Because it's just in you, you know, you to be that way. Hallelujah. So I, I'm just saying, you know, it's a, we're talking about the, uh, the point is revival. Are we in it? Are we in it? Then are we at, how do we compare with the book of Acts? I don't think the book of Acts, according to what we understand, has ever been finished written yet. We're still writing it. I don't know what capacity it'll take on in heaven, but I guess we'll get to sit down and maybe read through all of the things that's happened from Pentecost and say, look here, hallelujah, I know. Woo, glory to God. Look what happened to this person. And, and they'll be right there in heaven. We can say, well, come here, tell me what happened. Talk to me a little bit about this. I'm reading it, but tell me some more. But I don't know. I don't know what God will do. I have no idea. Now, are we the glorified church Jesus is coming back for? For the Scripture said he's coming for a church without spot, 
or wrinkle. You ain't going to like what I'm going to tell you, but I can prove it from the Word of God. You don't have to go too far. You can go to the book of Jude and find it. He said that he's talking about people, they were spots. So the spots that he's talking about are the tares that Matthew 13 is talking about. See, And one of the things God said to me is you're going to begin to see a collection of tares starting this year. And I'm telling you, there's going to be some gathering together of things that are not right. And we're going to see it. I believe we're going to see it. But, but even if we don't, it doesn't matter because it's going to, it's God is gathering. He said that had happened in the time of harvest. Huh? Uh, there's some significant things about that verse, and those verses I probably need to do, but I'm not going to. But then there's going to be the gather after. But that happens first. That's burned. And then those that are in the world are those that are, uh, are his are going to be gathered out of the field, which is the world. Didn't say the church. Out of the field, they're going to be gathered too. So that's, it's a thing that's relative to harvest time. But when Jesus says, I'm coming for a church without spot or wrinkle, he's talking about a church that has spots of people. You know, the Bible, the principle of Matthew 13 is that the devil done the same thing that Jesus did when he sowed the word. When you read the verses prior to that, you're talking about Jesus sowing the word or a sower of the word. He comes then and in that parable, it talks about not sowing word, but sowing people. It goes from the word to people. And the devil sows people and they're there. And, and he sows them in, in, in their spots and wrinkles. They do everything they can to, to, to hinder the work of God. Maybe they don't know they're doing it. Maybe they're totally ignorant and, 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 and there's no intention in it. But the fact is that they're there. And, 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 and the glorified churches he's coming after is not going to have that in it. Hallelujah. It's going to be cleaned out when us preachers start saying what God tells us to say. Hallelujah. You know, folks don't like it when you tell people, uh, you know, certain things. I, 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 was, I, I was thinking about this story today. I don't know how it relates to this, but we'll tell it and see. I was in a church, preaching this church. This pastor's a mess now. He's a mess because he don't have no confrontation in him. He just lets anything and everything go on. Well, I went there. It was his, his wife then. He's passed on to be with the Lord. But uh, they told me, said, we got a lady in this church that every time there's a, uh, you know, we get start service, this woman just gets down in the front of the church <clears throat> and just bellers and carries on, makes all kinds of noise, and, and, and like she's praying. And you can't even hardly preach or do anything else. So, so I said to my wife and my son, I said, just pray and bind the devil and keep her out of there. God, just keep her out of there, Jesus. Because I knew what I was going to do if it happened. I didn't put up with it too much. I'll deal with it. You know, and, and so I thought, well, because I, I didn't want to just deal with it. I didn't think it was my responsibility. I thought he ought to have. But so I didn't want to have to deal with it. So I said, I started praying, God, we bind it and just keep it out of there. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I'd like for her to come, please. I said, excuse me? What did you say? You know, and I said, now, I don't want her to, but I want her to, he said. I said, all right, then, but you know what I'm going to do. Sure enough, we got into church, walked up the side of the church, and, 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 and come down, to, come down uh, you know, sitting on the side of the church, and there she was in the floor, just bellering and a screaming and a hollering, and went through the song service, offering service. She's down there just making all kinds of noise. I thought, what do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? And finally, the Lord told me what to do, so I just wanted to turn the pulpit. I'm going to show you just what I did. Just walked over. Walked right on past a little standing head sitting out just like this and walked right over and tapped on her shoulder and said, Shut up! Sit down in Jesus' name. Don't make another noise. So she got up and I said, You got a devil in you. That's what I said. And she got up and sat down. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, sat right there while I preached. That's a miracle. Usually folks will leave after you tell them something like that. When I, got, I said, when I get down to the end of the service, I'm going to cast the devils out of you. I told her that. 
So I got to the end of the service, got through preaching, walked over and I said, now, I command the devils, whatever I said to her, I can remember now, come out of her. And it came out. Them two big Jezebels that brought her, sitting in the seat right behind her, wanted brought her there just to, were using her, manipulating her in order to destroy the services. Didn't work. Hallelujah. Well, you see, <clears throat> you, th you think God minded that? He wasn't surprised about that. He knew exactly what was going to happen. If you think I was bad, you ought to have been glad Jesus wasn't there. He'd have really dealt with it. Huh? Are you here tonight? Well, you see, we want to glorify church, but we don't want to deal with some of the things in it sometimes that need to be dealt with. Huh? We need to, if we want to glorify church, it's not that we, I'm not trying to drive anybody out of the church. My God, you know, anybody that's anybody that's doing anything that's right, they're preaching, even they're preaching strong messages about, you know, cleaning your lack up. It's not to hurt people, it's to get them in. Well, people get all mad. They say, well, I don't like that Hughes guy or whoever, I'm just using me. I don't like that guy because he just preaches and he just, you know, he just, he just, he just so hard. Well, I'm not half as hard as it's going to be when God has to say to you, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I don't know you. That'll be a lot harder. Huh? He'll have to say it too. Because if we don't deal with certain things like that, I don't want the responsibility to stand before God. Somebody's blood dripping in my hands because I didn't tell them certain things. Now, I'm, to, I, I'm getting down these little rabbit trails. But are we the glorified church Jesus coming back for? I don't think so. Yet. I think we will be. I have faith to believe we will be. I have faith to believe that God can get us there. Hallelujah. He knows how to do it. Now, I don't know how he's going to do it. I look at it and say, if it's, if it's possible, God, you're the only one I know can do it because I sure can. All I can do is preach. Hallelujah. I can make folks mad, and hopefully that'll make them see how ugly they are, and they'll straighten themselves out. Hallelujah. Amen. But if not, well, what can I do? Amen. And he said, and then here's another one. Are we ready for his return? Whatever facet... You know, wherever you're, wherever you're at or wherever, you know, there's so many views about the return of Jesus and the second coming of Christ. I don't even get in it. I'm getting in it because, first of all, I don't know it. I, I know he's coming back. I'm not sure exactly just how and when, and I don't never clash with folks about all that. I just leave it alone because I don't know. All I do know is that he's not going to take you or me if I'm not ready. Hallelujah. Us traveling preachers don't need to be preaching that stuff unless we're gifted. If I was gifted for it, I'd preach it. Hallelujah. If I knew what I was talking about, I'd do it. But I don't know what I'm talking about, so you don't need me to tell you something because you wouldn't know what I was talking about either. Amen. Hallelujah. But are we ready for his return? My God. You know, it's something. You know, it, I don't know how you are, but if I have done something wrong and I didn't realize it in it, or if I did it and I realized I did it, and I know I've got to go to prayer and talk to Jesus. I don't like it. Because, <laughs> you give me that holy look. Amen. You know as well as I know, when you go in there, you go in there and say, it's me, Lord, and I know I did it, and I'm sorry. Huh? Are you here? You don't even want to face him then, but when we see him then, he's not going to be the little old looking Jesus you see on some of these pictures huh he, John who knew him well who laid on his breast who, who experienced some of the greatest uh, experiences of, probably of any human being on this earth to be that close to Jesus in, that, in, that, in the form that he's in when he saw him in the book of revelations he said I was in the spirit on the Lord's day 
and I heard a voice behind me speak. And when I heard it, it sounded like the voices of many waters. And when I turned to see who it was, I saw one whose face shone like the noonday sun, and his skin was like the burnished brass, and his hair was white as wool, and I fell at his feet as dead. Hallelujah. That's what we're all going to do in some fashion or form. I don't care if you think you're so righteous that you don't have to, you're going to because all everything's going to be seen then. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, you know, and there's a side of me that says, I can't wait. And there's another side that said, I think I will. <laughs> you, I'm just being honest with you folks. Hallelujah. I ain't trying to be some super duper here. I'm just telling you the truth. You know, there, I know. I, sometimes I hear people say, well, I've seen Jesus. I, I want to. I love to. I think I have at times in ways, but not in the ways that some of them talk about, not in the literal sense of the word. I don't know what I'd do. I, I think I know what I'd do. I'd probably just bite the dust just going down there, and, you know, but I, I heard Kenneth Hagin tell about when he saw Jesus. He, I forget for what frame of mind he was in when it happened the first time, but he said, I fell at his feet and said, oh, Lord, I'm not worthy to be here. And Jesus said, I I made you worthy. Get up. Hallelujah. That's good, man. I like it. I like that. That encourages me in the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. It is true. He made us worthy. But I would imagine that there's a side to us. We're, you know, we're so, in, we're so messed up. It, it, that's, we're, uh, we don't realize how messed up. And so I'm talking about revival. Now, remember that. See, if revival takes place the way we've heard it prophesied and the way the Bible wants it to happen, then, brother, we're going to have a major entrance of Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit and his presence in the church. It's going to be some ferocious repenting and, and, and stuff going on. Hallelujah. And some folks are not ready for that kind of thing. They like their sin. They want to stay in it a while. Now, is, is it possible that we've accepted hype and emotional excitement as a substitute for revival in the last few decades? That's a question. Is it possible that we've accepted hype? See, you, and emotion. See, you got people just hype you up. Boy, they get you jacked up tight. Woo, hallelujah. They make you think God in heaven is going to happen in the next. I mean, here we're here in revival, and we're going to have a service tomorrow night. Glory to God. Now, sometimes God will move on me to tell people, but I don't do it unless he moves on me to tell them. And, boy, well, you better be here. Hello, you need to go. And it, it's just like an Alka-Seltzer with no fizz. <laughs> Are you here? Huh? It just, you know, it's, it was, you, they hype you all up. And then, then you got, we had, we had joy released to the body of Christ. I, think, I believe it's a valid thing. I believe all of these things are valid in and of themselves. It's just what happens in the excesses of it. But we had emotional things released to the church. Uh, I mean, we've had a, certain things released to the church, and people entered over into the emotional side of it. And they live in that realm, but they've never, a lot of people get in joy. I've been in some of the services where they laugh and they have no clue about what they're laughing about. Just laughing. Some of them just, some of them in the flesh, not even in the joy of the Lord. You know, you just want to say, shut up. I'm here trying to get a hold of God. I don't need to deal with this. I don't want to have to do it. You want to do it. You can't because you, you want to give everybody every opportunity because sometimes they may start off in the flesh and end up in the spirit. But, but a lot of them fall under the power of God, get down under the joy of the Lord, have no clue what happened. They get up, they never change. What a deal. It makes it hard for me to understand what exactly has happened to them and why. Yeah, I know joy releases you, and maybe it don't have any, any great effect upon your lifestyle, but I would like to think the presence of God that brings the joy to us. Hallelujah. Are you here tonight? Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. So is it, is it possible that we've accepted hype and emotional excitement as a substitute for revival in the last few days? Here's a, you know, it's so like a little boy cries wolf. He cries it so many times, and eventually the wolf comes. Nobody believes anything he says, and that's what happens when revival comes. It's going to come in such a fierce and terrible way sometimes in some facets of it that when it happens, some people will look and say, 
well, I, I, this is not what I, this is not what people told me. They said it was going to be this, that, and other. It's going to be joy. It's going to be that. Well, it'll have all of those things that we've experienced down through the years and have heard about and have experienced. It'll be incorporated in it. But I'm going to tell you something, brother. That move that I believe God wants to bring to the church and is going to bring to the church is going to be one of the most fierce, powerful uh, uh, moves. That, I mean, it's going to be. Listen, in Charles, I mean, in John Wesley's meetings, I think it was. I think it was Wesley, even Finney's too. They, they, would cry, they would hang on to the pillars of the church and cry out and say, God, in heaven have mercy. Our feet are going into, their feet were like they were going into hell. And they could feel the flames of hell and they were crying out, God, oh God, have mercy. What do you think would happen in most churches if something like that happened? You'd have a mass evacuation in some of them, pal. They'd leave so fast you wouldn't know what happened to them. Good God Almighty. They'd be running for the door. It'd be, get me out of here. I don't understand what's going on. Listen. I'm not a quiet prayer. My wife's not a quiet, quiet prayer. And, and, and maybe some of you are not. But you get in some places and just let the spirit of intercession fall like God wants it to fall. And some folks are going to run out. Hallelujah. They can't hear it. It just scares them so bad. They say, oh, God, I, 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 can't, oh, I can't hardly stand that. Well, you know, you haven't heard anything. You don't want to go to hell because there's going to be some weeping and wailing there. I can tell you that. You know, you know my heart-rending, I would imagine, and people that have heard the cries of hell says it's a heart-rending thing. Uh, but, but heaven is going to have another kind of noise. It'll be a joyful noise. But for folks that want to be quiet, they shouldn't go because I don't think there's going to be but 30 minutes there as far as I can see. And, and then after that, I don't know what's going to take place. I'm going to be noisy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to make all the noise I can because I'm going to be glad I made it. Hallelujah. How about you? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> so so, so we can we get emotions okay. God, Paul said to the church, I pray God sanctify you holy, spirit, soul, and body. So God wants all of you involved. You're bought with a price, not of such corruptible things as silver and gold, but, but by, by the precious blood of the Lamb. You have every right to be noisy. You have every right to worship and praise God if you want to. You have every right to enjoy and experience God in every level of your being as a human being. But your life is not guided by your physical nor your emotional. It is led by the Word of God, the Spirit of God in your spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you out there? A lot of people don't know the, don't know the difference. They can't, the reason why they don't get divine healing because they don't know the difference between divine and natural. But let me tell you what it is. Say, for example, you were on some kind of medication and God's power healed you. You wouldn't need that medication anymore. It didn't help God heal you because you wasn't getting healed when you was taking it. It didn't hinder God healing you. It helped you. But when you found out you was healed, Maybe it's a medication like people take for diabetes. You eventually say, well, I don't, it's, it's making me sick. You go to the doctor and say, well, what are you taking this for? I heard of a case like this. Well, I said, because I had diabetes. He said, there's nothing wrong with your blood. You're well, there's nothing wrong. You, you, your blood's perfect. Hallelujah. You don't need to be taking this. You quit taking it. God healed him. He didn't need it anymore. Hallelujah. See, divine healing is a spiritual thing. It's, it's received in your spirit and then manifests in your body. Thank you for your wonderful enthusiasm about that. I, I may give you some revelations. Some of you won't be sick tomorrow. Hallelujah. You'll say, that's enough of that devil. I ain't taking any more of that. Hallelujah. Now, I don't want I'm putting him on for. I don't need him. I guess it's just a habit. Now, have we become a people who love appearance and not substance? Jesus didn't judge after appearance, Brother Amberg. He didn't, he didn't look at things the way we looked at it. He, 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 he we, we, you know. We want, to, we want to give a certain look. By one Jesus Christ, reigning through life on the basis.
of the blood. 